Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, I'm not sure I could land any bigger CX, digital, e-com or marketing heavyweights together at the same time than the two people I have on the mics today. In August, Telstra's CMO, Jeremy Nicholas, completed his transition, announced earlier in the year, to head all of Telstra's sales and service operations across all the telco's digital platforms. And his replacement as CMO, Brent Smart, started in Jeremy's old chair about the same time after a five and a half year gig as IAG's CMO. Both are still working side by side at Telstra as peers on the consumer and small business team. And although Jeremy and Brent are pretty fresh in their new roles, we're about to hear about their transition so far and their broader views on where next. The remits of digital, CX, e-com and marketing, as we know, are increasingly intertwined. Marketing and brand is there to feed new and existing customers into various parts of the sales, service and customer experience funnels. I don't know if there is a CX funnel, I just made that up, but there probably should be. Regardless, once some of Brent Smart's job as CMO is working, there's this crucial role of delivering on the promise and positioning in everyday interactions uh, Telstra has with customers and prospects. And that's when the baton moves to Jeremy. He now has responsibility for 80% of Telstra's customer sales and service engagements, which all start online. So this should be a fascinating conversation. Earlier this year, when MI3 revealed the news of Jeremy's move from CMO to digital, he said he was partly lured to the role because brands are, and I quote, defined increasingly by their customer experience, and increasingly, that's a digital experience. On the flip side, back in 2019, Brent Smart was one of the few marketers who publicly called out the tech platforms which power many blue-chip company customer experience deployments by saying marketing technology, or MarTech in industry parlance, was quickly turning vanilla. Many were thinking the same thing, but few were prepared to make the points Brent did. And again, I quote from an interview Brent did with MI3 at the time, we've all got Salesforce and Adobe plugged into our tech stacks. We've all done media mix modeling and attribution studies. It's hygiene. It doesn't give you competitive advantage. Now, Brent also said in the same interview that CX and Martic was, and I quote again, definitely part of the modern marketer's toolkit, close quotes, but more differentiation was needed in CX and Martic systems deployments. So, We'll hopefully get into more of those observations from both Jeremy and Brent, and certainly what their initial impressions are in the new roles, and what their priorities are for 2023. Next year, it looks like it's going to be a little volatile, doesn't it? So welcome, after that long intro, welcome Jeremy Nicholas and Brent Smart. I had to get all that in just because I had to. I'm busting to crack that one open. But Jeremy Nicholas, I think we're going to start with you, given you started all this mess um, earlier in the year. Uh, Maybe give us a top-line overview of what the operation you now lead does and why you wanted to make the move. Yeah, thanks, Paul. If you think about, probably the easiest way to explain it, if you think about there's three ways to get help, get service, or buy, or shop at Telstra. You can either go into our stores, you can either call us up and talk to us in the call centre, or you can go online, um, either through t.com or through the app. And so basically my team looks after all of that experience for our customers. As you said at the top of the of the intro there, about well, 80% of our sales and service interactions go through digital. They don't all end up there. People may shop, go online and then end up buying the product in store or go online and call up or they may complete the transaction um, online or, you know, lots of different permutations. What sort of volumes are you talking there, Jeremy? It's a, if you include all the upgrades and things like that, it's around 45% of the interactions go through there, uh, the sales. But if you look at the 
service. It's about eighty percent of the service is actually contained. In so how many how channels. many how many engagements in a day or interactions in a week or month or whatever your, your number is? A few stats for you. There's about five and a half million active users on the app. There's about seven and a half eight million active people, digital active users. You know across the ecosystem. You know there's hundreds and thousands. Uh, millions on a busy day going through. Right. Um, and that's just might be people going on, you know, into the app to check their usage on their phone. They might be going online to look at a new product. They might be just um, checking on the implications of the flooding and yeah. on our network coverage and things like that. So it's all sorts of different things they're going on there for. It's a pretty broad church um, in that respect. So, well, they might be going through to redeem some points, you know, buy something, buy some accessories, get movie tickets, all sorts of different things. So it's pretty broad what they do, but, you know, and given the customer base we've got, and so this, my team particularly focused on consumer and small business. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty big, big group. So you've spent, respect. you've spent most of your career in marketing and or agencies and as a strategist, this is slightly different. I know it's, it's kind of a parallel track, but why did you want to move into this role? What was the, the allure? Look, I think, you know, as you said, that, that idea about the customer experience defining um, the brand and the company is in, incredibly important um, in concert with the other channels. So that's that's one attraction. Um, I think also just really being candid that these opportunities don't come very up, up very often. It's a pretty uh, amazing company and brand to work for. Touches and reaches so many people. Um, so many people are influenced by it, and the opportunity to lead one of their channels, you know, go to market channels, and to do that is is good. And so you. You always want to, when you take a new role, you want to be able to be learning a lot and mm. also giving a lot as well in perspective. And so this had a really unique combination of those two things. You know, and the other thing is I, I really like working at Telstra. It's a great company. We've got a great new leader and Vicky um, as our new CEO. We've got great leadership team, great peers I work with. Now I get to work with Brent as well. There was a lot. I'll ask there, you that question in six months, though, won't I? Yeah, no. <laughs> see, if, see if the same same result. <laughs> but um, no, no. But I think that there's so much, you know, opportunity there as well, and you know where we're at on that on that journey on, on the trajectory we're on, is you know increasingly more and more of the interactions are through digital, just like any other company or through our app. Um, we've made some great strides. We've got much further to go. Um, and so there's a huge, you know, while a lot's been done, there's still a long way to go. So, um, you know, you want to be part of that as well. And this whole digital thing's not new to you and that you were quite involved in rolling out your big MarTech and CX platform a few years back where you were involved yeah, in Yeah, so Salesforce Marketing Cloud implementation, um, you know, we've had a lot with Adobe as well, as well. And then even prior to my time at Visa, a lot of the time I was, sorry, prior to my time at Telstra, I was at Visa in the US. And a lot of that time was in, obviously in payments and was part of the time of sponsorship. The second part of the role time there was all in product marketing and all around payments, digital payments, e-commerce. Um, and that was the time when our Apple Pay, Samsung Pay were emerging um, and Visa was sort of taking positions in different companies as well. And there's quite a lot and change in payments. And we've seen that mm. payment sector boom and how as long well. ago was that? was probably eight, 20, eight years ago, maybe. 13, yeah. 14, 15, okay, right. um, around that time. Um, but you kind of get you know, you get to know and understand how things work mm. um, through that period as well. So there are lots, there's some stuff that's new. There's a lot I know um, as well. Um, but there's also, also learning it at Telstra as well and how, because each company has their unique, you know, and quirks and things like that. But mm. uh, the products and services they sell or some legacy things they've got in their technology or some new capability they've got. And so you've got to sort of learn that and be part of that. So 
certainly this first five weeks has been a lot of talking, listening, understanding, chatting with people as well. So, which And I think both of you have got sort of the same sort of size team, right? You've got about 300 directly and I think with your developers and so forth, yeah, you said about 1,000 people. Yeah, a few yeah. more than that even you put the developers in. But yeah, it's a pretty similar sort of size team. Yeah. It's which just, you had to hack back a bit though, didn't you, Jeremy? You did have to do some um, hard work a few years back and cutting, sort of yeah, restructuring I mean, maybe we should Yeah, restructuring. It. I, mean, I mean, there was no secret, you know, Telstra's reduction in overall start, uh, you know, team members numbers through T22 and we did... You know, I think nine and a half thousand people left the business. Fifteen hundred more net came in because, then, but they were all in software engineering and, right. and that side of the business, right? And far that's where all the growth has been. But that was that. You know, all that's public information. Yeah, so, so there was no. That. There's a couple of no. That's this, this is all old news. I know it's fish and chips. Yeah, but, but I think you know, I there's no doubt the team is leaner than it was before um, when I started. That's that this, and indeed Telstra is as well mm. overall. Um, so you had five or six hundred in your team hitherto, but prior to that, um, well, I wasn't leading all of it then, but there was a quite a lot of more people in marketing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but I think if you or across those teams, because it was a different structure back then, so it's hard to put them exactly like that. But if you look at the overall picture from Telstra, you know, if you, they base the reason for that reduction is you know you remember they renationalised. The, the copper the, the the fixed network effectively so with the NBN yes and so they took that off Telstra they renationalized it created the NBN and actually you look at employee numbers at NBN they're not that different to the almost nine, like for like yeah right you know how, and I'm not saying all those people who are at Telstra are now at the NBN I'm just saying that you look at how the industry's changed and the dynamics and that that that's been different and so you know if you look at the challenge Telstra had and that was what's so important about T22 we had to fight we had to we were losing two and a half billion in profit and we had to make that up. And you can't just through the movement out of the NBN and you can't just do that by, you know, making more money and selling more things. You have to take cost out as well and you have to change the way you do things. And that when you hear them talk about T22 and that, if you like, period of transition and that restructure and that plan, that's what all that was about, mm. about doing that and about digitizing the business you know, get call, reducing their calls into the call center because more things were working where they, do, they could do more online, the products and services work better. Therefore you have, you know, you can bring your call centers on shore. You right. can do all these things you couldn't which have done, done before, right. which yeah. you've done, right? Yeah. We went from 1800 plans down to 20. We took huge amounts of complexity out of the business, you know, and so when you do that, you are, it makes you able to, to, you know, much face into the future in a much, much better way. Yeah, um, 1,800 and, plans is extraordinary. I mean, and and as a mar in the marketing team, you'd have to be across most of them to work out which ones you're going to which ones you're Yeah, gonna no, promote. exactly. Well, it is, but I think when you look at that and the reason for that, we don't have a back book anymore. So everybody's on in-market plans. So um, that's part of the migration we're going through now. So all the, everything you buy from Telstra is on new plans, people are on the new technology stack. And so we've, we've got this period where we've almost migrated everybody off the old onto the new. And once everyone's on in market plans, that means like you subscribe to Netflix or you subscribe to a, you know, a streaming service, or you get a technology upgrade on your platform like Microsoft Office or iOS or whatever those things, then everyone benefits. So when we improve the plans for mobile, it all goes through to all the customers all at once, not the, yeah. the new customers get the benefit of the old, and the old ones yep. and that you pay a loyalty tax, yeah, yeah. which effectively is there. So that's actually, that's been that's what's critical in that move. And then once you've got everyone on those in-market plans and that help, that helps everyone benefits, the customer service, the customer experience is much better for them. It's a much simpler business to operate. 
and you can be much more efficient and, and deliver a better experience. Well, I want to ask you, just said it again, and I just want to you to elaborate a little bit on why you say brands are defined increasingly by their customer experience and increasingly that's a digital experience because brand, I'll probably end up being pulling in Brent early on this one because I'm really interested in, in the contrast between the two viewpoints, if there is one. But why do you say that? What's that about? You know, I think it's just a, if you reflect on your own experience, the amount of time you spend with companies and brands now, a lot of it is is either through their app or online in their digital services and experiences. And that's just, so therefore, if you spend more time there and that's where you do your transaction, that's where you get a lot of your help, that's where you get a lot of your service and those sorts of things. Therefore, increasingly those touch points just through the hours spent and those meaningful touch points as well as they become more meaningful, therefore affects your perception of the brand and whether that will define the long-term sales, but also the the next sort of short-term sale as well. And so it's just a natural evolution of things. And it's not saying that uh, there aren't other touch points. It's just saying that these things are more, mm. these things are increasingly important. Now, we're not a digital, digital only company. So what happens in store, how you experience our services and products, what you see in the advertising and um, those things will all affect that as well. But increasingly, like every other company, digital experience has become more So Brent important. Smart, I'm keen on this one and you well, good morning and welcome Hello. by Brent Smart. <laughs> um, so I'm really keen on this one because, you know, if you step back and, and, and think about what Jeremy's saying, in a more conventional context, brand and defining brand and, and building brand is often around communications and it's often around creativity, as you would say. But this is different because this is actually about, you know, experiencing the brand living what it may claim. How does that fit with, you know, with your view of the world um, from now, from the CMO's chair? Well, it absolutely matches my view of the world. I think brand is the sum of experiences that we have, right? And I think that if we think that brands are just advertising and communications, that's a very narrow definition of what a brand is. Brand is everything. Brand is the experience. Brand's the price you know, that all adds up to our perception of, of the brand. So I've never said that I believe brands are just advertising or comms. It's and not or. All those things need to be working together to build a powerful perception of the brand. And, you know, the thing that scares me the most as a CMO is that I create a thin, what I call a thin veneer of advertising, right? So you create advertising, which um, starts to establish a personality, a feeling, a positioning in the consumer's mind, and then they go to the experience and it doesn't live up to it. Mm-hmm. Or the two things are completely disjointed and not working together. So you can that's, technically that's, blame Jeremy from now on, can you? <laughs> no. Well, um, or he could blame me. I don't know who's blaming who. But but yeah, they've got to work together mm. and, and, and it's critical. And so, yeah, no, I think it's and not or. And I think absolutely brands are the sum of, of the experiences we have with brands. And you know, I'm also really passionate about, I think there's a whole lot of what I call unloved touch points, which can be really meaningful in how people experience a brand, but we don't apply creativity or craft to those touch points. Classic example, I love the Amazon box, right? That could have been just a plain cardboard box, but it's got that lovely smile on it. Every time I get one, it makes me smile. It's a lovely piece of branding. And so I just think, you know, a little bit of thought, a little bit of craft to some of these other touch points can make a massive, massive difference to how people experience the brand and perceive the brand. And I don't want to get too far ahead because I want to come back to some of your vanilla comments and, and where you sit with those now. But Jeremy, I just want to, before we get into a little bit more, there's two more points I want to run past mm-hmm. you. Um, Firstly, as we mentioned earlier, like Brent, you've been in creative agencies, you've been in strategy, you've been in marketing roles for most of your career. What's your key observation? Key observations really on, on marketing, uh, on how marketing agencies have or haven't changed under new competitive 
and consumer conditions over the past decade. Have you got any observations that, and what is, what is the future, what does future good look like? That's a big question. It is. And I did give you some it on notice. <laughs> I think in terms of marketing, I think it really, look, I, th- I think it really depends on where you're working. And mm. the CMO role is so different at different companies. Right? The CMO role at Telstra is a lot different from, say, somewhere like the Iconic, which is a pure digital play, um, or like a consumer goods company where or, they're selling like packaged IAG. goods supermarkets. It's really different. Like so we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah like and so different. I think, <laughs> like, you know, I think, and if, if you like, I, I think over time those differences have become, have exacerbated, if anything. And, you know, and I look at the role, and also about where that company is at in its journey. And certainly my experience at Telstra has been like through a massive upheaval and massive transformation. And so a lot of your focus uh, and during that time was trying to get the systems and the platforms and the transformation right to make sure you took the people with you and the engagement was there, um, made sure that the brand was where the, was it slightly out in front of the company? So if I use an analogy like stretching an elastic brand, like you want to stretch it out in front of the brand there to pull the company forward. If it's too far, it snaps and you're out here on your Pat Malone and the company's somewhere over here to mm. Brent's point before about their service experience not matching. And so you're constantly thinking, is this the right time to like really go with, you know, the big statement like we did with Australia is why campaign or something like that, or is now the time to actually just focus on product on the knitting and get some more basic things done. So where, where are we at on that? And I think those things really, you know, that that's a defining thing about working in a CMO role um, now. And, and I, I think what was beneficial about the, the role at Telstra is you were able to change things and we were able to evolve things because the company was changing and evolving at such a rapid rate as well. Right. And that certainly helped with that transformation. You know, I wasn't transforming marketing while the rest of the company was standing still. We were changing the whole thing together in that respect. And so with a company in that you have a speci- you have a really different sort of job to do to one which is maybe in a more stable state or actually, um, you know, is on a, just a massive growth trajectory. It's a newer brand, trying to, it's all about market share and growth and trying to get customers in. <laughs> and, and, you know, then hopefully you've invested, you can, you can get in as many as you can, invest in behind it and build something from there. And that's a completely different job. Mm. Completely different job. Well, Brent, I might ask um, you then. Which, just I, which I, which I, I, you know, I love that. I mean, that's what's been, it's been really interesting and challenging. That's what's good about talking to different CMOs and yes. having Brent on board now because you get those different perspectives. Um, well, I might just, I might just throw to you, Brent, and so, you know, you're five weeks in, it is early, but what Jeremy's saying about different companies have a very different cast on what a CMO and marketing does. IAG versus Telstra, what's your initial, you know, what's different? The scale. Right. And that's the biggest difference. But just to build on what Jeremy was saying, right, I, th- I think whatever company you're in, whatever brand you're working on, I think the CMOs who are able to make a difference are the CMOs who have influence, have respect, and are able to add more value than just the colouring in, right? Mm. And I think Jeremy's absolutely done that at Telstra. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got incredible relationships. He's got a big point of view on the business. And, and I've, I can see already, sitting at the same table as him, yeah, he's got a lot of influence because of that. So I think whatever whatever stage the company's at, whatever category you're in, I think as a CMO, you need to have a bigger opinion than just the advertising and the brand, and you need to contribute to the business 
in a more meaningful way than just the advertising the brand. Mm. And I think that was certainly my experience at IG. I, I, I can see Jeremy's absolutely done that at Telstra. And it's certainly the way I want to contribute as a CMO as well. And I think that's lost a lot in some of the commentary around, you know, marketers aren't being taken as serious as they used to be, blah, blah, blah. I think you've got to earn it. And mm. I think as a CMO, you absolutely have to be at that table with a bigger opinion on the business than just so is, the ads. is it marketing and this is to both of you is it that marketing is in danger of being in a comms bubble or is it more the agencies that service the uh, marketing teams and brands that get caught in the comms no, bubble uh, well i think you create that bubble yourself like i think there are a lot of cmos who create that bubble themselves because they're focused on the wrong things and talking about the wrong things mm. and i think that if you have a bigger strategic point of view if you're able to really lean into the business and understand the business challenges, then you should be having a much bigger point of view than just comms. Like you should have a point of view on pricing. You should have a point of view on the experience. You should have a point of view on like, you know, Jeremy's really lent into sort of structure and ways of working and all sorts of stuff beyond just comms. Is comms a really important part of what you do in marketing? Absolutely. 100%. But it can't be the only conversation you're having with the leadership of your company. And how far should that go down into, say, the marketing team, that awareness at least? You might be a specialist in a comms function or not, but well, the... I think it's critical, 100%. Because even if your job is quite specific as a campaign manager, a midweight campaign manager, and it's quite focused, the context in which you're operating and you're creating that content, working with your agency, whatever you're doing, is so critically important. And, how, uh, and then understand that it? business, understand that business context, understand though, and, and what the company's trying to do, understand what the challenges around the product or the service experience might be and understand all those things. It's, that's absolutely critical. Um, and I think good marketing people have always had that. Um, it's not like some new fangled thing, but it's really important that they, that they, they have that, I, particularly in our, in a company that's been or companies that are changing quite rapidly, and you want to be in step with the company. <laughs> you want to understand what works, how it makes money, what are the stakeholders thinking, how is this whole thing working, and what can we do to contribute mm. that. You come up with better ideas as well, things which more meaningfully impact the business, uh, more meaningfully impact the customers uh, in that respect. So it makes it, I think, a lot more rewarding, a lot more fun, but also, you know, you're a business person as well as a marketer. Um, then, And those two things uh, go together. And my biggest frustration, or one of my biggest frustrations when I was at IG is when marketers would say, the business wants this. Right. I'd be like, you the, are the detached, business. Right. We're the business. Mm, like, you know, mm. So I think it's critical, as, as Jeremy said, that, that you need to be really in the business, understanding the business, contributing to the business. What's interesting about the the, the Telstra situation and certainly what I'm experiencing for the first time is, is, you know, it's agile at scale at Telstra. And I think what that's done is it's absolutely embedded marketers into missions and work that is critically important for the business. And the marketers are contributing to that work in a bigger frame of reference than just comms. Well, it's a good segue because I did want to ask you, Jeremy, about Agile. You led the sort of the, the, mm -hmm. the Agile uh, transition for marketing inside Telstra and the mm -hmm. whole organization obviously went there. Mm -hmm. I get really mixed signals on Agile in a marketing context, right? Some, it's just, it's not great. The feedback's not great. And we're, we're sort of working on something around this. But yep. your experience is a little different. You think it's, um, the jury's still out broadly when I have conversations, mixed. But um, your take is a little bit more positive on Agile. Yeah, well, we're three and a half years in, I want to say, uh, three and a half years in. Yeah, I think it's been really good for us. I think it's taken, it's 
So the marketers, for the most part, are working in teams um, with, say, a pricing person, uh, a couple of customer experience people, financial or et cetera, product people. So that that sort of work together. Um, so you're in a team delivering something together. Um, I guess that also make, forces you out of a bubble too, Jeremy, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, it puts them in a conversation around the commercial realities of it and mm. uh, of what's actually going on. Um, they get a great perspective on the business and they absolutely contribute. And I think they've got the opportunity to contribute in their swim lane in that mission, but they've also got the opportunity to contribute beyond that as well. I think What's been critical, though, in what's been made, how we've made it work at Telstra is we have bent it a little bit and we've really, really focused on see why you've got people working individual missions to make sure we work at coordinating across the missions and making sure, particularly when the advertising or the communications coming out, making sure that's well coordinated across um, all the teams. And so in agile parlance, they call it. Uh, chapter leads, but the chapter leads got to work really, really strongly across the missions to pull the work together and to make sure it comes out in a cohesive, coordinated form. And I can see in other places where it gets challenging is you get little silos of people in missions all creating their own thing and nothing's connecting it together. Right. And we've worked really hard, and this would be my counsel for people, <laughs> is the coordination and that is absolutely critical. And we've worked really hard on that. We've kept um, all the media centrally planned, the budget centrally run, brand centrally run, these things, and that's been and that's been important in in helping to achieve that as well. Um, so the agile teams are doing more product and product led marketing specific. So where does agile kick in if everything's central there? No, no, no. It's just the small teams like your brand team or your media team are central, right? But the vast majority of the markers are um, are out. So in the missions, okay. how do you find? So I mean, I'm going to jump to you, Brett, because um, you know, just because I just did. Uh, how are you finding sort of agile and the rest? You know, is Telstra the beast it looks like from the outside? You mentioned before it's about scale, but before we get to that, the agile bit, you know, you got your head around that yet? Getting my head around it, you know, it's a, there's a there's a whole language and a whole set of rituals. You feel like you've joined a cult, right? When right. You're, right. <laughs> you're coming to agile, but. Uh, to Jeremy's point, the team's been doing it for three odd years, so they're very well tuned, you know, uh, the, the way of working is working well, you know, so, so far so good. I, 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 what I definitely see is what I talked to before is by having the marketers embedded into these missions, they have a level of understanding of the business and I, I'd say, you know, they're more commercial, I think, than, than most other marketers I've worked with which I think is a really, really good thing. I mm. think it gives them credibility. I think it gives them understanding. And it certainly is great for collaboration. So uh, but when I, you say more commercial, what does yeah. that mean? Does that mean they've got a more better well, understanding of the business and the yeah, business look, remit? Well, or? it comes back to what I said before, where sometimes you find marketers who are actually quite disconnected right. and the business is something that happens over there. Right, third person. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and what, you know, so what does the business want? Like, like you are the business. You've got to have a point of view on the business and you've got to understand right. – what the business needs, um, not expect someone else to make those kind of decisions for you. Then what are you then? Just some sort of order taker in marketing, you know? Like I, I think all the best marketers are equal parts commercial and creative, and they have a big point of view on the business. And that's how you get brand upstream, right? That's how you absolutely get credibility, get at the table, make sure that you're influencing, you know, how a business is run. It's super important. That doesn't happen if you uh, are disconnected from the business. Mm. I want to get, to, I've got one more question for Jeremy, then I'm going to get into Brent Smart's experience so far. Jeremy, there's two things on that. 
One is that we talk about marketers needing to, you know, have a better, broader understanding of the business and the commercial remit. It's just not about their little function that they might be in. Equally, that's in a marketing context. Equally, we see this in, in tech as well. So in customer experience, if you're a CX or a, a, a search engine um, specialist or whatever it might be, you tend to, they tend to be equally in their bubbles, even though they may not be in the broader market. It might be in a media context. There is, there, it happens on the tech side as well, I guess. So if you, yep. um, and that's something that also needs to be broadened out to understand that, you know, there's a life beyond. Uh, that's a point. That's a comment rather than a question. Yeah, I think, to... yeah, I think probably two things. There's just one more, one point back on the marketing that goes to your question about the role of agencies, because I think you need in that environment, when you have the marketers deeply embedded, the role of the central teams and the role of the agency that works across is they need to help provide perspective from outside because you can get quite absorbed right? <laughs> and and actually trying to have that perspective from the outside for new ideas and fresh thinking as well. That's super important that the agency brings that. Mm. Um, and also it's really important that the leadership brings that as well, that cultural context, um, which you're operating in and all the other things that are happening outside the company in society. And that's a huge thing for Telstra as well, because when you're going through the change and the it can be all consuming. Mm. Um, so making sure you have that perspective is super important. Um, so your research and insights team, your social te- social listening teams and your, but even just the making sure your marketers are also got a broad media, you know, diet, they're reading the Fin Review and they're reading the Daily Mail and they're reading this and they're reading that and they're reading MI3, obviously. Just as well um, you said that, Jeremy. You know, but these things are super important that they get a broad perspective and they go, okay, this is where things are. So we can have a richer conversation. Do they have it? Do, do, well, in the yeah, majority, they, well, everyone's got to work on it. You know, we can yeah. always be better on that stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, for the most part, I think they do. Um, and for the most part, that's the job of the leadership team as well, who when you're it's not in as much of the day-to-day and you're sitting and you can see across the company and see outside, that's super important as well. But I really wanted to encourage, and we have really tried to encourage our teams to think like that also. Yeah, good call. And that's important. I think the the point on your, um, it's in terms of the structure in the uh, in digital and tech, so if I'm just talking about my new team or my yes. current team now, that is, that's quite varied as well. So that operates all in Agile also. So you'd have, um, say, one team working on a particular product category, say home internet, and that would have some, uh, you know, journey designers, CX people in with, you know, digital designers, animators, these sort of people as mm. well. These thinking, so they're all in there together, content writers, um, et cetera. So they're all creating this stuff together. So this stuff doesn't, in a similar way that we talked about in the other teams, that's it, quite varied in terms of the teams, in terms of digital. Very also. quickly, because I'm going to run out of time. Um, what would you say was your biggest achievement as, as Telstra CMO and maybe a couple of the, the most um, interesting anecdotes that happened or the challenging bits that happened in your role? Yeah, I look, the biggest achievement, I think, biggest achievements, I think things coming, what I really value is the team on the other side of everything that we've done. Um, you know, that engagement scores on our teams, which is a you know pretty well-used metric here in the high... 80s, you know, mid to high 80s, sometimes even higher. Um, And so to go through the level of change that we've gone through to take the people with us, it's been better. It's a much more, for all its commercial acumen, it's very, very values driven. It's very much about trying to do the right thing by the customer. What's the right thing to do here? And what's the right thing by society? And those conversations um, are super, have been really, really important. Um, and being able to, people have been much more vocal and calling those things out as they've gone through and they have 
a voice and a right to say those things and they're heard and they're, they're really encouraged to draw those things out, um, which is, which I think. So, so, so that people culture, culture change is your big, big, has been big. And then, you know, if you look at the advertising, yes, it's been through, um, you know, if you look at the Australia is why campaign, absolutely. Um, that was, it's been hugely effective and a great thing for the company to have. And really we were very much reflecting and pulling out the identity of Telstra, what it's, um, why a lot of the people there, of the, of the tens of thousands of people that work there, why do they go to work every day? And they, they are there to build this nation. And that company or the company has contributed to building this country. Um, the economic, social prosperity of this country has been in part by built by Telstra and the networks they created. You know, you still have people out in the field in the middle of nowhere out building networks um, fixing towers, keeping people connected in remote and regional Australia and right through our cities, you know, the military, the government, everything runs on Telstra. A third of the internet traffic in Asia is on Telstra. It's amazing sort of company and what it actually does. And that campaign was trying to draw that out and if you like shine a light on some of that and absolutely make our people feel proud, but also try and resonate with our customers as well on, mm. on who we are and what we're trying to do. Um, and what we're trying to build for the future. Jeremy just sort of talked to what from the outside looks like an absolute beast. And uh, is it? <laughs> You're five weeks in. How? What, what's your first, imp- what, what, what happens? Well, the first thing is the only way is down on those culture scores, Jeremy. Clearly. <laughs> right. um, yeah, look, it's, it's big and it moves. Yeah, and for something so big, it moves incredibly fast. Right. So it's definitely a lot. Um, and obviously, whenever you change categories, all the acronyms you knew so well and insurance you got to throw out and learn all the new acronyms in Talco and there's plenty of there's them. There's a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, and you go through that sort of, you know, when you're new to a job, you sort of feel like, oh, I'm not really contributing as much as I'd like so I'm trying to understand it and, you know, so so it's all those sort of <laughs> growing pains. Of, of, Is it of a, true Jeremy gave you a, a list of 10 items to um, watch out for or, or, he did. or heads up? No, he did. He's been, Look, it's been actually... Um, amazing to have Jeremy there. So, mm. you know, whenever I'm seeing those meetings and I don't understand whole sentences, I can just <laughs> ping Jeremy and say, what does that mean? Um, but he, you know, Jeremy's been incredibly gracious and he's uh. um, given me a fantastic onboarding and lots of advice. So why did you want it? Why did you want this? Well, a few reasons. I mean, look, I, I really loved my last job at IG and loved working on the NRMA brand, but, but I always wanted to lead one of the truly iconic Australian brands. And the Australian bit's really important for me. Having worked overseas, worked in America, worked on global brands, you know, if you're working on one of those in Australia, you don't really get to shape the brand. So I didn't, I, I don't want to be told what to do with the brand by people in Cupertino or New York. I want to be able to lead, truly lead a brand. And I think if you want to live here, that only really happens on Australian brands. And then the second thing is, you know, I really want to work on brands that get into culture, shape culture, have real cultural importance. And, you know, Telstra is definitely one of those. So big, Australian, iconic, it sort of ticked everything I was looking for in terms of the brand I wanted to work on. And, and I was sort of ready for a new challenge. So what was the remit in the conversations in the lead up to this? Um, what was expected or what, what was the conversation from Telstra to say, this is what we need and want? Well, I think, I think it's about building on the good work Jeremy's done. And uh, I think what's sort of interesting for me with the Telstra brand is when you're inside the company, and certainly when I was interviewing and, and, and talking to the leaders of the company, you know, there's incredible positive momentum inside Telstra right now. And Jeremy talked about the huge transformation that happened through T22. You know, the, the, the company's done an incredible amount of sort of heavy lifting and change and transformation. And whilst the brand 
is in the best shape it's been for a long time and the Australia's Why campaign has been hugely effective, I still think the reputation of the brand at the moment is slightly behind the reality of the business. And I think that's a really exciting opportunity. So, 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 you know, the real challenge for us is how do we get the brand reputation of Telstra to be right up there with the leading, uh, most reputable, most respected brands in the country? I genuinely believe we deserve to be up there with those brands. Um, but it's just a matter of, of shaping the narrative and, and letting the Australian population feel a lot of the good stuff that's happening inside the company, you know? Um, and that's a really awesome challenge and, and one I'm really excited to, to work on. So when do we start seeing that take shape? You got to give yourself six months, 12 months? Or <laughs> well, what? a little, a little while. Cause I mean, as with any well-run marketing operation, all the work that's running this quarter, next quarter, it's all done. Mm. So it's going to take a little while for me to be able to work on some new stuff and get that to market. So I think it'll take a little while and certainly all the work that's about to hit, you know, is, is really good. It's going to do the right job. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to come in and throw all that out and change it all just because I'm new. Mm. Um, so it's going to take a little while for work that I've been really involved in to hit. You always talk about creativity and creativity having uh, having that uh, that X factor. Well, what I'd say is Brent's already making a great contribution early doors. So he's good. They hired him because he's vocal, passionate, driven, outspoken. So nothing's changed then. No, no, but... <laughs> That's what you want. Where you know you look at the leadership team, him and I sit on. They're amazingly talented people, yeah. and you know you want someone who can come in from contribute. And whilst he doesn't know as much about Telstra, there's thirty five thousand, forty thousand other people to do that. What he can bring certainly at this point is perspective, mm. outside in, a new, fresh way of thinking, and that's what's been really valuable mm. well, from the get go. Well, well, thank you, mate. That's yes, very kind. There, thank you. There's a wrap. So scorecard, your probation's over by the sounds <laughs> of it. Um, you talk a lot about creativity, having packing punch and, and having sort of, you know, additional competitive advantage. Is there opportunity there for Telstra to do that? Or do you think there's more creativity for Telstra needed? I think most brands, there's room for more creativity, right? I think that, I think what's really exciting for me is there's a really strong brand platform in place, right? And we just saw it at the Effie's Last mm. week, you know, it was rewarded. Well, that's that, right. You got a couple of gongs. Yeah, there, it was, didn't it was, you? It was rewarded the Effies because it's been incredibly effective. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a really strong platform. So I'm just super excited to be able to build off that and think about where it might go, what new directions could we explore. So I think the foundations are really, really solid. Also, I'm really excited about the category. Like I worked in insurance for five and a half years, grew to love it. But I think this category, telcos, communication, technology, it's, it's fascinating. And I think the creative opportunities within that space really excite me. I need to ask you um, that question, Brent Smart, on uh, MarTech and Vanilla, which was, by the way, right. It was absolutely correct at the time. You know, lots of people talking about it privately. You said it publicly. Where, where do you sit with that now? You know, basically, MarTech is vanilla, table stakes. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it the same way, and there's nothing different in, in customer experience. Do you hold to that? Do you still get the sh shits with the MarTech people? <laughs> well, look, I said, I said that because I was frustrated at the time where I felt like there was a yeah, the narrative was all about how, you know, if we use this technology and we create a much more personalized, much more automated, digitized experience, that will deliver growth. That is sort of the silver bullet, right? And that was that was all the narrative at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was seeing huge amounts of budget being shifted into the MarTech kind of space. And I think what a lot of marketers were forgetting was that, you know, that's absolutely important, right? And I've never said it's not important or I don't believe in it. The bit that really drives growth for brands, right, is the brand building. And I think we've read enough from Byron Sharp and Mark Ritz and everyone else that, that the key to growth is not about the highly personalized, highly targeted stuff we do with customers. It's actually about brand building, 
mass reach, emotional connection, memory structures, all that stuff, right? And I think a lot of people are forgetting that. So that was my frustration. It's and not all, right? Mm, it's mm. and not all. You've got to do both. The second frustration- It is about the waiting though. Well, there is yeah, a waiting. the waiting is important, but, the, but the, sec- the, the waiting is important, yes. But the second frustration too was, I think this sort of feeling that, well, if I get the tech and plug it in, job done. I mean, that is not even half the job. Then, then the question is, what are you going to do with it? Mm. What sort of experiences are you going to deliver? And that's where I say, I think a lot of digital experiences today are quite generic and all look the same because everyone's using the same tools or all following the same best practice. And I actually think the same principles that we apply to creative advertising, we need to apply to CX. That's why I'm really excited about Jeremy being in his role because how can we make the experience distinctive, memorable, worth talking about, right? Like I think sometimes we forget about those principles because we go, no, no, let's make them frictionless and let's just take the pain points out. And it's all about sort of utility. Yeah. That's important. And efficiency. So, so that's, that's where yep. those comments are coming from. But I think, I think we saw an incredible example of the power of and at the Effies last week with Uber Eats taking out the Grand Effie. Now, Uber, here's a company with unbelievable CX, some of the best CX we've ever seen. They've got all the data to personalize. They, they, you know, they've got an incredible tech stack that most of us would dream about. But that's not what propelled that business mm. to its current unbelievable market leadership. It's then you add to that with an incredible brand idea tonight I'll be eating, which have since exported to, you know, 12 countries around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's their brand building that has absolutely accelerated that business. You do the two things together and that's how you win. So, so it's and not all, but, but just using the MarTech to build a better experience is not enough, I believe, if you really want to grow and you want to grow faster in the competition. You buy that, Jeremy? And is your intent to go beyond, you know, vanilla, which of course you already are? Yeah, I mean... Whew. Well, you've got to make sure there, there might be some things you need to fix. Absolutely. You've got to get it right and make it frictionless and easy to use and all the things Brent said. And then, you know, to build on top of that, you want to build that personality and that experience that you're trying to create that, you know, is unique to you and that the and, and is important to the customers at that time and also is hugely relevant to how they're feeling at that moment. So like talking to customers now who in, as we speak today, in flood affected areas, they may have lost everything. Um, the service messaging from Telstra is a lot different to say, hey, you've got some free movie tickets, which you could use for your Telstra if, Plus points, right? Yeah, if you're and in so, Perth. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, in Perth, and being mm. able to manage for that. And that's where I think things like personalization and this stuff come into place, but they're not in, the, in that expense. So I, I sort of, it's interesting seeing it more play out in the service experiences, mm. because that's when you need to be really precise. Mm. That's when you need really personal. Oh, Brent has one, this phone, and his kids have these two phones. Not that, therefore, we have to do this. And that's different to Paul, who has this, and, and therefore, they get slightly different treatments. And uh, that is a, that's important. I, but on some of the more, on some of these other things, it's, I don't think it's as important or it's more just table stakes. Look, um, we're going about to get stink eye, and it's pain because we're really getting to something here. But listen, I want to get your final one thought each, um, one in thirty seconds um, for the next twelve months. Um, I know you're laughing at me, going, "What the heck?" Um, final thought for next year: biggest watch out, biggest um, what you're thinking about for twenty twenty three, Jeremy? I'm thinking about security and sustainability. Yes, right. Um, two words. That was quick, uh, Brent. Yes, inflation, and I think resisting you know, more offers, more retail, more trading because we, we've got a very price conscious customer. We will need to do that. But I believe that brands will be able to command a premium they, they can in non-inflationary times and in inflationary times. And especially I think when people are feeling the pinch, then you better make a strong emotional case for them spending a little bit more on your brand. 
Brent Smart, Jeremy Nicholas, great conversation. We just get started. We've got to follow up on all that stuff and we will talk next time. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.